1: by becoming a patron to contribute and to learn more visit www.patreon.com backslash somewhere skies thank you for your support and now on with the show
0: this is somewhere in the skies with ryan sprague
1: Welcome to another very special episode of Somewhere in the Skies. I wasn't able to make it to the 2019 International UFO Congress this year, but I had two on-site correspondents to help me grab some interviews with various speakers at the event. In this exclusive episode, you're going to hear interviews conducted by two former guests of Somewhere in the Skies, UFO field investigator and Rogue Planet crew member Shane Hurd and UFO filmmaker and researcher, Dean Eliotto. Both took precious time out of their busy schedules to speak with James Fox, Ben Hansen, Mark D'Antonio, Kathleen Martin, Michael P. Masters, James Keenan, and of course, the MC and co-organizer of the event, Alejandro Rojas. My immense thanks goes out to my correspondents, Dean and Shane, and I hope you enjoyed this Summer in the Sky special edition at the 2019... International UFO Congress.
2: Hi, this is Shane Hurd with Somewhere in the Skies. I'm at the 2019 International UFO Congress in Phoenix, and I am here speaking with Dr. Mike Masters. And How are you doing today? Doing good. Yeah. Thank, uh, welcome, and thanks for taking a little time with me. Thank working. you.
3: Absolutely. It's great to chat with you.
2: Yeah. So... Um, you have a presentation coming up during the, the conference here. Do, could you give us a little highlight of what I you're do, talking absolutely.
3: about? Absolutely. It's uh, going to be on Thursday, tomorrow, I guess, at two fifteen, and uh, it is the title is um, "Could Aliens Simply Be Us from the Future?" It takes a evolutionary approach to the phenomenon and synthesizes modern research in astrobiology, astronomy, physics, and anthropology. With a focus on biological anthropology to investigate this question and um, whether they could just be us coming back through time to study their own evolutionary past.
2: Yeah, that's, that's a fascinating angle because, um, you know, for the last 70 years, it's been the traditional nuts and bolts. Uh, they fly here from somewhere else yeah. and, and uh, you know, a lot of evidence is pointing to more than just simply that
3: yeah and i think it's good to consider all valid theories in regard to a a question this complex and and the extra tempestrial model as i call it isn't mutually exclusive by any means but um i do feel that it helps explain a lot of aspects of the phenomenon and particularly with regard to the more humanoid forms the upright walking bipedal human um, aliens that are described in so many of these reports, but it, it is important to consider all angles and all valid theories, and this one certainly isn't mutually exclusive to those. Yeah,
2: I mean, it's it does seem likely that there's some sort of composite going on, yeah, yeah. and yeah, you're right, we should never exclude any, any uh, possible theory, because... Mm. As of yet, we do not know for a fact what's going on. And
3: anybody that says they do know is probably full of shit. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. No, it's good to be open-minded, but not so open that your brain falls out, as Carl Sagan (laughs) used to say. Yeah, that's awesome. So, you know,
2: a lot has been happening in ufology over the last year. It just seems like more and more things are occurring. And and, um, is there anything that's got your attention in particular right now?
3: Um, I think, you know, the stuff that's slowly coming out from, um, the To the Stars Academy is, is interesting. I know it's a little contentious, uh, as are most things in ufology, as it turns out. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I, I follow that. And, um, I think Steve Bassett with what he's doing in, in Congress is, is important. Um, trying to break down the truth embargo, as he calls it. Mm-hmm. And, um... Yeah, it, just, it seems like there's more scientists kind of starting to break through and um, face the stigma, take yeah. it head on and, and really try to answer this question. I met, just in the day I've been here, I had conversations with a PhD in sociology, a PhD in anthropology. Just now, um, more people starting to get into it, take it seriously, and try to find ways to, to bridge this divide, unnecessary divide between ufology and the scientific community. So I'm really excited to be a part of that and to see more of that happening.
2: Yeah, I I really appreciate you and what you bring to the table as well, because you know we've we've been striving for credibility and striving for you know uh, qualified people taking a serious look at this and yeah. and the more courageous scientists like yourself that do it i mean it really it just it helps everybody and we all want to know the truth and that's what we're trying to find
3: and there's there's still barriers in place obviously there's Mm -hmm. grant funding issues Mm -hmm. there's the the broader academic community still dismisses this phenomenon to a large extent but a lot of that is also related to um a lack of disclosure once we have full disclosure I think many of them will find that they are behind the times even possibly on the wrong side of history with regard to this question but I, I also understand it I understand the inner workings of academia and how things need to be um, they, they, they need to be detached from the stigma before academia writ large can really get into this but um, I think I think the more we have uh, the navy coming forward and um, just government disclosure, senators being debriefed on this, the more those things start to happen, I think the more you'll see scientists coming into the fray a little bit more as well, hopefully.
2: Yeah, I hope so, and I, I agree. That's, and that's really the path that we're all pushing for, so yeah. I think that's awesome um one last question i guess so just more of the pop culture side i i don't know if you've heard of the whole storm area 51 uh, <laughs> it's, issue that it's came hard on not there. to I yeah. Guess. yeah it seems to be in the that news one got
3: into the mainstream yeah, pretty quickly
2: yeah what do you think of that
3: um i i mean it's an interesting idea logistically i don't think it really has legs and never did um pretty terrible idea really yeah. from the standpoint of trying not to get killed by yeah. the government um, I, I think it's interesting that it morphed into a cultural event a yeah. like festival I have reservations about how to pull something off that big in such a short time frame in such uh, a desolate area. In such a desolate area, yeah. yeah. So isolated. I, I think we could learn a lot from the fire festival and yeah. how that imploded because of the lack of time for planning logistics. Uh, hopefully that doesn't... I mean, that was also a fraud situation. Yeah, yeah it was. But, um, no, I, I hope that if they can pull it off, that it, 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 if anything else, it brought more awareness to the phenomenon uh, among a, a broader audience. I've had people... Ask me about it quite a lot. Who had never really looked at anything related to the UFO phenomenon. So I think, um, yeah, as far as cultural awareness and being another avenue for getting things in front of people in the broader uh, American society, it's it's been positive in that respect. Yeah. Well,
2: that's awesome. Well, thanks for uh, coming to the conference uh, and you know bringing out this whole new aspect of it. It's really. Fascinating, and I appreciate you as a scientist. Oh, yeah. So, thanks a lot for your time. Look forward to your talk.
3: Absolutely, thank All you. Right. Thank
2: you.
4: Hey, this is Dean Alioto. I am here live, or rather, on live, um, at the International UFO Congress Convention 2019, and I'm sitting here next to this very charismatic, powerful being—not an alien, but the the famous. Kathleen Martin, um, we're going to ask her a few questions on uh, on this year's uh, conference and what she's up to. So, starting with the conference, how do you like the 2019 conference, and how is this different from other conferences?
5: Hello, uh, Ryan. It's it's nice to speak with you. I wish you could be here. And uh, this conference is terrific. It. Uh, It is different this year than it uh, was when it was out on the reservation, but uh, it has all sorts of activities going on all of the time. I'm particularly pleased that about half of the speakers are women this year. Uh, Oftentimes people complain it's all men or maybe one or two women, but um, this year we have about half women, which is a huge step forward in my mind. Uh, Intelligent, well-spoken women researchers and experiencers who are talking to us. Um, also, we have experiencer sessions every morning, and at night I'm running uh, the morning sessions along with Yvonne Smith, we each have a room full of people, uh, I'm doing workshops, two of them, I did one group regression yesterday that was a lot of fun. And. Uh, it's, it's packed with people. who are all very happy to be here. There's a very good feeling about this conference.
4: Fantastic. So there's a lot of women here. So let me mansplain something to you. That, that was a joke. <laughs> <laughs> um, so do you see any trends that are happening with regards to your experience or sessions that you're having this year as opposed to other years? Is there something that, that might be different, that might separate set apart this year compared to other ones?
5: The only difference that I see is when I first started doing experiencer sessions, there were a lot of people who were suffering from trauma, didn't have a lot of memory, and uh, I think we're seeing less of that now. That people uh, are able to remember more perhaps, that people uh, hopefully have talked to the 30 individuals on my team at the MUFON Experiencer Research Team uh, who, that you can reach through MUFON.com, scroll down to Experiencer Research Team, take the 30-question questionnaire Please. and someone is not going to investigate your case. These are people who are specialists who know a lot about this topic, many of them are experiencers and they're there for non-judgmental listening to help you. They have a list of vetted professionals for referral purposes. So it's a very good thing. So uh, I think this and the support groups, we now have a list of three online support groups uh, as well as support groups in physical locations. If you don't live near uh, a place where you can actually travel to a support group, you can join an online one. All of these things help experiencers. So uh, I think that the atmosphere in, in the groups has been very good. Of course, uh, there is a wide variety of different types of experiences that people are having from um, negative uh, my lab nazi that kind of thing to people who are having very positive experiences it runs the gamut but we're trying to reach out and to help everybody
4: well it's kind of a a a service you're doing regardless of whether or not these experiences are actualized or even psychological just to have a place where people can go and talk and discuss this has got to be really um, a, a, a sense of relief for these people they're not having to keep it all inside they can share it with people that are willing to listen and,
5: and yes you know. and just the act of talking about your experience with someone who is not going to say see a psychiatrist or I don't believe you or what were you smoking, what were you drinking, you know, That's not a good response that hurts people and also I have written a book for experiencers and for the interested public as well it was just released September 1st it's titled extraterrestrial contact what to do when you've been abducted it's a comprehensive guide with a worksheet at the end of each chapter to help you to uh, put all of this together and understand the All of the things. It runs from uh, positive experiences to negative to how to collect your own evidence, to how to, uh, suggestions on how to make it stop, if you want it to stop, to coping techniques, to psychic phenomena, to all, I mean, you name it. To what
4: to to wear when you get abducted, and and what's most, material that breathes, I'm thinking.
5: Yes, make sure that you do that, and try to get back your own clothing as well.
4: (laughs) Yes, and and have it be right side on and not inside out. That's the worst, it's very tacky. that's another one. I'm going to let you go um, because your your booth's about to be bombarded. Um, I'm excited about reading your book and uh, I know that I'm going to go out and hit Amazon on it right now. Um, But thank you so much for talking to us and uh, good luck with the rest of the festival, the conference.
5: Thank you. Thank you so much. It's been a great experience.
4: This is Dean Aliotto for Somewhere in the Skies. Uh, I'm here with Mark D'Antonio who does not speak fluent Italian, Which is okay, because he's actually not here to speech or lecture about Italian, but about uh, UFO and aliens in nature. So um, Mark, tell me what your uh, business was here, and uh, tell me what you thought of this year's 2019 Congress. Hey, como estas? Oh,
6: oh, sorry. Remember, you don't speak it. Oh, I know. I'm sorry. Turned it off. Uh, Well, I thought that, okay, (laughs) yes. Thanks, uh, Dean. I thought that this congress, the UFO Congress this year, was very good. I had a good time. My 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 talk went over very well. We had a wonderful panel. We had a bunch of interesting, uh, well, I'd say concepts to ponder. You know, I thought that the people that delivered the content were quite well versed and did a very nice job. So, hey, you know, I thought it was a really really well done. It's in a new location here in downtown Phoenix, and it seemed to go seemed to go over well. Yeah, I, I thought that the,
4: uh, the vibe here was great because uh, everyone was able to, I think, move freely without uh, banging into each other or cramming in. Especially fire exit, uh, that can always get scary. Uh.
6: Exactly, you know, and it was okay because the, the fire that did occur didn't burn the place down. It only took out the half, half of the tower, so it actually worked out quite well.
4: Yeah, we're not supposed to talk about it because the insurance uh, adjusters have not uh, ruled yet who the oh. guilty party is. So we'll, yeah. let's not talk about that. Oh, okay, sorry. Um, sorry. So uh,
6: what is it coming up for you? What is the next big uh, thing that uh, you're working on? Well, I'm part of what's called the New Sciences Tour and it's a it's a group uh, that we, we talk about the new advances in astrophysics and astronomy and how it relates to the finding of extraterrestrial life. It is actually a very prescient uh, concept. and. In October, I just came back from Norway on the new sciences tour, and in October, we may be going to Stockholm, Sweden, to deliver talks there. Uh, so there's a, f- a few other minor conferences between now and then that I have to go to, but it's really uh, a quite an exciting time and, and a bunch of exciting lectures.
4: Yeah, I, I got to catch some of your lecture. Uh, very exciting, interesting stuff, especially um, the fact that because of technology, uh what you guys are doing, what you and Douglas Trumbull are doing, and are in the process of uh, of working on, is uh, promi- super super promising.
6: Yeah, you know, uh, the, the Aerial Anomaly Detection System, formerly known as UFOTOG-2, uh, was, it, it first uh. found its formation in Doug's Humvee system that he created, and he had the UFOTOG vehicle, which actually had telescopes that would come out of the top and circle around and find anomalies in the sky. Well, now, Uh, We've taken that entire concept and condensed it down to a uh, small platter, maybe uh, about 24 inches across. We don't have any of them done yet, but they're going to remotely monitor the skies. And it's going to be really interesting how this uh, monitoring occurs. So I will tell you, um, we'll keep you posted on progress, but Doug is excited, and I'm excited, and we absolutely love it. Right on. Well, we're all looking forward to
4: it. Thank you, Mark, for uh, giving us your uh, your rundown of how things went, and
6: uh, we'll probably see you next year. Absolutely, I look forward to seeing you again. Thanks, Dean. See you later, Ryan. And I'm here with
2: James Keenan, and he is the author of several books, including Dark Shadows and Catastrophe, Ten Twenty Two Twenty Thirty Six, The Paranormal Zone and the UFO and an alien. So how are you doing today, James, and uh, welcome to Phoenix.
7: Thanks, it's a pleasure to be here, thanks for having me. Yeah, so
2: I was interested in what you thought about the Congress, and was there anything here that particularly appeals to you, or that interests you, either in speaker or topic?
7: Sure. Uh, I'm local to the area, so I've always uh, enjoyed the fact that they've been here locally for about the last five or six years. I find it of interest that uh, there's a lot more diversity in the amount of people that come here uh, from all over the world. As a matter of fact, I've been here all morning and I just finally met somebody from Phoenix. Everyone else was either from uh, out of state or from out of the country, which was really interesting. Um, In regards to speakers, You know, they always seem to have a very good group of uh, people come in and, you know, talk about the newer topics uh, or put some of the older topics, older discussions and kind of give you a good update as to where that's evolving and taking place at this point. Uh, And then for me, this is the first time that I've actually just been a vendor instead of lecturing. Um, And it's just been a great experience because not only have I met those people coming in to hear uh, those that are lecturing and talking, but uh, we have an amazing group of vendors here that just offer just, you know, anything from other books to... Uh, all types of artwork and it 's just fantastic, uh, even uh, other types of uh, you know modalities and things that they 're offering on the floor and then you also get all the lecturers here that you get to uh, you know talk to them one to one also get to find out what they 're doing recently
2: yeah that's that is so cool that is that 's really neat about the congress is really this is gathering together of a lot of people with a lot of different perspectives, sharing it. And uh, you, you can just learn so much. Now, what is it that you kind of specialize in? I know that you recently gave an a outstanding talk at the uh, Phoenix MUFON meeting and really enjoyed that. And maybe you just share a few highlights from that with us.
7: Sure. Uh, so I deal a lot with uh, ancient anomalies that are pointing towards past worldwide catastrophic events. Uh, my background is in anthropology and archaeology and then uh, work-wise it was in law enforcement I have about 25 years of investigative experience and uh, I look and delve more into ancient cultures and civilizations that we've lost almost uh, all our history on them and the fact that there's still a lot of evidence Uh, based in uh, artifacts and petroglyphs and things of that nature that show uh, reasons as to why they may be missing from historical data. Uh, And then I mostly focus in on catastrophic events that were probably the cause of that. And, uh, you know, also uh, in regards to petroglyphs and other anomalies that end up Pointing to other things that I just happened to come across accidentally. Yeah.
2: yeah, so interesting. I know, I know too. Lately, you've been interested in the Uinta Basin, Very which is so. is uh, uh, getting some uh, notoriety because of the Skinwalker. Correct. Uh, but you 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 went there on the ground yourself.
7: Right. I uh, spent about a week there. Um, Prior to that, I'd spent about two months doing just an amazing amount of research based off of a few petroglyphs that I came across and the historical data on the Uintah Basin that just didn't make sense. And uh, it was like going down a rabbit hole at that point. Um, And I felt that, you know, you could do a ton of work at your desk, but you just have to be there in person. And it was just amazing the amount of data that I collected and the evidence and so much more is taking place not just on Skinwalker Ranch but the entire Uintah Basin and uh, to have the ability then to have been able to triangulate that and uh, locate very specific evidence as to what's happening why it's happening and then just some very crazy anomalies both old and fairly new Mm. to have located and uh hopefully in the near future i'll be able to get all that uh information and new evidence out
2: i'll look forward to that 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 sounds awesome uh final question i guess is you know it seems like so much has been happening in ufology the last year or two years um Is there anything that that has grabbed your attention or has your attention now? Anything new and and what's happening?
7: Oh, absolutely. Just the fact that the government's willing to, you know, say that something happened and they're not quite sure, and be it maybe they are or aren't, but just the fact that they're allowing that much more evidence uh, to be made to the public is, I guess, a step in the right direction. And uh, I always tell people, you know, they talked about the, uh, the Tic Tac in the sky, but nobody ever asked about uh, what they did with uh, the cross and the, what was happening underwater. Uh, nobody's said anything about that, yet that seems to be what uh, led all those fighter pilots originally to that location. Yeah, so that,
2: there, there's a lot of questions yet to Absolutely. be asked, isn't there? So yeah. that's just what makes it so fun and fascinating. Well, thank you so much for taking a few minutes' uh, time with me, and uh, it's really fascinating stuff, and sure really was appreciate a it. Oh,
7: thank you.
1: Very cool. They've been seen all over our planet, somewhere in the skies. I'm talking about flying saucers. Hey guys, Ryan Spreg here, and I'm excited to tell you about Saucer, your source for original and authentic ufology-inspired essentials and apparel, symbolizing self-enrichment. Elevate your craft at thesaucerbrand.com. Use promo code SKIES for 20% off your entire purchase. I've got their bomber jacket, their t-shirts, and their crew neck sweater, and I am rocking them like crazy here in New York City. People are starting to ask me about it, and they're even starting to look up into the skies. Saucer products are sustainably made in the USA, with only the most comfortable fabrics known to man. Receive 20% off your entire purchase now when you use the code SKIES at thesaucerbrand.com. Show everyone that you believe and get your saucer gear now. That's thesaucerbrand.com. Keep looking somewhere in the skies and remember to elevate your craft.
9: For Memorial Day, get 15% off your borough purchase at borough.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at borough.com slash ACAST.
4: And next to me, I am with a guy that, well, you know, the, the James Bond movies, He's kind of like Q. Is it Q? Is that the letter? He's got all these gadgets and stuff. And all I want to do is get him to look the other way so I can steal it. Um, great, great high tech stuff. So I'm here with, obviously, Ben Hansen. And so uh, a customer is walking up, taking a look. So we might be interrupted because we're all here about the sale. Um, so Ben, what are you up to? And, and what do you think about this year's uh, uh, conference compared to others?
10: Well, I've been coming to UFO Congress for, gosh, I think this is like maybe my ninth year. <laughs> I've been doing their their night vision sky watches for the past, I want to say like six years. And so what's really cool is they've moved it now from Fort McDowell. This is the first year we've had it in downtown Phoenix. So it's, it's a different time of year. Um, and I, what's really cool though is because normally we just go out to the back of the hotel in order to do the night vision. And this year they've got a bus and we're going to South Mountain, which is where, you know, of course the Phoenix Lights flew over and the last place they were seen uh, crossing the valley.
4: That's awesome. Of course, I missed that last time, so maybe I can do it this year and take a look and and bring hot cocoa because I hear that that (laughs) helps actually with the sightings. Is that true?
10: I wouldn't be drinking anything hot out there right now. I was out there last night, and you're probably still like 95 degrees at like, you know.
4: Scratch that. I'll go right to the beer. (laughs) Um, So you've had experience in both, uh, I mean, you were, you know, a UFO hunter and and ghost hunter and everything. Um, Do you see that there's any trends or anything that's happening, any increase? Uh, How's the phenomenon today since you got into it? How many years ago?
10: Yeah, the UFO stuff I first got into when I was like, um, well, I was like, well, if you count when I saw ET, I was five. <laughs> okay, but but I really was reading the books and stuff by twelve, you know, and then seriously going out and doing this, you know, maybe my college years. And so um, I would say that probably the number of sightings is I'm. I don't know. It's hard to say. It, it probably has increased. But definitely the attention to it has increased. The last two years have been incredible with the amount of media exposure to the, the phenomena. And the problem is, is that translate to more people coming to the conferences? I don't know. Because it's pop culture that people are still stuck in. You know, it's like I know Men in Black because of the movie. I think UFOs are cool, you know, but do they actually come and, and hear the researchers, if that's another thing.
4: Oh, interesting, so um, the um, the different difference between back then was it was kind of this hard to find um, field of study, if you will, and now because it's been in the pop zeitgeist, probably from X-Files on, and and also got goosed a little bit with the uh, December 2017 New York Times report. Um, so so let me ask you this. It entered into pop culture. Well, it's been around for a long time. Why did it stick this time?
10: I think because probably our, our government and the media has given up legitimacy. You know, if you watch the news reports and they have a UFO thing, they don't giggle and chuckle as much as they used to. You know, like, oh, oh something was seen in the sky. It's like, no, it's like now it's like, well. They have a somewhat intelligent conversation and say, uh, you go to the, the the White House press conferences and you see that the reporters are actually saying it with a straight face and pushing it and saying, We want to know about Roswell, we want to know about the, the files. So you got Jimmy Kimmel, you know, who it's entertainment, but they're they're actually asking them, What have you done as president to look into this? And then you got you know, like you mentioned, the, the Pentagon programs where they're like, okay, okay, we admit, we lied, we have had official programs, and we don't know what they are. And so when you, you tell that to a public, I think that um, there's there's all of a sudden this interest, because if our government thinks, it, it deems it worthy to spend, well, you know, spend millions of dollars on weird things, but... But if they're spending money to investigate, they don't really have answers, Um, maybe we should take notice.
4: So my last question here for you is, uh, okay, we've got the storm, what is it, raid, no, 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 is it the storm? Storm Area 51. Storm Area 51. Okay. Uh So here's what I'm thinking, and maybe this is a business thing you and I can do and we can retire from it. Um, So when the gold rush happened. The people who made more money were not the people going for the gold. It was the people who supplied the shovels and all the <laughs> stuff they yeah. need. So I'm thinking, if they're really going to go storm, I'm thinking about investing in body bags. Is that, is that too dark? Is that too dark? I think I'm going to make a killing. No pun intended. Some body bags. That's right. Water.
10: You need. You give them a bottle of water and say, "Go for it." You know, the the base is that way. <laughs> you know, it's it's a 13 mile run
4: <laughs> or no, whatever. No gas station, no beef jerky, no 7-Eleven.
10: You'll be shot at on the way there. Some Kevlar. I actually sell bulletproof vests in my other company, so we could bring those. Perfect. Bull- I,
4: I'm feeling it. <laughs> I'm feeling it. And some night vision
10: to take with you. So, so now you can you can have the security guys watching you. You're watching them. You have the best chance of getting through.
4: All right, you heard that live or rather unlive here. Um, we have a plan here. Uh, ben, thank you for your time. You're very gracious. And look over there so I can go over here and steal one of your binoculars. <laughs> I have someone here who people may have heard of, I've heard of, so I think people have heard of if I've heard of them. His name is James Fox, and he just won the uh, award for his best feature. Oh, wait, hold on. That's next year. This is only 2019. Okay, James, you have the most epic, epic being being created right now as we speak. It's being cut by two editors around the clock. I can't believe you pulled yourself away. This is a five-year endeavor. It's half a decade. So where are we at with it right now, and, and what did you tell the fine folks here at the convention?
9: Well, it's actually been going on six years, and if you look at photographs from one of me when I started, <laughs> photographs of me now, it looks like I've aged about 100 years. And I'm hoping that I'll rebound a little bit <laughs> when all the pressure's off. But that is true. We, are, uh, we signed a distribution deal for a guaranteed theatrical release. We're all totally excited about it. It's been something a goal of mine for uh, 26 years
4: the first ever uh, UFO theatrical release by the way go on
9: Uh, certainly in decades yeah I think they had a minimal uh, release with UFOs are real with Stan Friedman back in I think the 70s I think so but in any case I don't know the details on that one but in any case that has been a goal I've had and uh, now it looks like it's going to become a reality I'm very very happy with the current cut of the film although we are uh, struggling to make it better refining it mix down audio sweetening cutting, cutting scenes trimming things down Um, Stitching it all together to the best of our ability. Uh, We've shown some clips to to George Knapp and a handful of others. Everyone has been very impressed with a new perspective on previous cases that people are familiar with, Uh, new witnesses, new evidence, and a new twist. Um, Archive material, I can assure you that most people have never seen, a lot of people have never, in fact, no one's ever seen some of it. And uh, yeah, that's that's pretty much it, we're, we're going to deliver the film in the next uh, two months and uh, it's all hands on deck.
4: Okay, for you people that, that, that it feels a little, still a little bit too abstract, let me just tell you, I got a chance to see a chunk of this movie and it's uh, imagine all those f- awesome, awesome fanboy UFO cases that used to track all along the years and you were desperate to get new information on. Well. He's got new information. He literally dusted off the archives and pulled out stuff. I don't know how you did it, dude. You're like, you're the Indiana Jones of the UFO archives. Uh, it is amazing, and I know there's and stuff. Is there anything that you can say or give away or lead to to uh, let them know that something big is coming without giving everything away?
9: Well, Jacques Vallée, we've been incredibly fortunate to have Jacques uh, as our consultant um, and that's opened up doors that I never knew even existed. And Jacques has been diligently, patiently, uh, sitting in an edit room with no running water and no toilet uh, at the end of a dirt road uh, in a garden and, uh, and helping make sense of it all and stitch it together, it put the piece of the puzzle together in a way that um, that's never been done before. And, so, and Jacques was somebody who was there, who understands it, and, um, and that has been a major boon for, for us, for the film, for the phenomenon. Um, uh, it ends with one of the most compelling cases, uh, certainly uh, in, in my book, and that's a landing at uh, Rua, Zimbabwe, 1994, with over uh, 100 witnesses on the ground, 60 of whom went on camera. My favorite case. Mm-hmm. Rua, Zimbabwe, 1994, aerial school. Uh, that's the ending of the film, but we do a lot of background getting leading up to that point. It's government and military officials, high-level people that you recognize, know who they are, uh, coupled with archive footage and good narration, beautifully shot. Um, tried not to make the same mistakes I'd made last time when I failed to get dis- the, the, the level of distribution I wanted to with knew what I saw. So I swore I wouldn't make those mistakes again. And this time, when I was broke, I just went into uh, you know money generating mode. I didn't, I didn't, tr- I didn't cut corners. I waited till I had the funds necessary to do the job right, to hire the right audio, camera guys, lighting guys good quality, state-of-the-art equipment, drones. It, it looks beautiful.
4: It, it really does. I didn't even mind having to go out and pee in the backyard because you don't have a bathroom. Um, uh, one thing about Jacques Vallée, he's kind of become this Obi-Wan Kenobi character who presides over, over kind of everything. He's observing everything. He rarely, rarely ever Comes out and appears, makes makes himself visible. The fact that he did that for your project, I think, speaks very highly of it. And I know that you appreciate the hell out of it. And uh, and that you know, having someone who can kind of take a look at it and say, "This gets a thumbs up" and everything, that's probably been a, a strong guiding force for you, I would imagine.
9: Uh, I have to pinch myself daily, you know, just how how lucky uh, we got. And and uh, he initially came on board with trepidation. Um, and slowly, uh, the more he got involved, the more he saw, the more he wanted to participate, the more he realized this is probably going to be something pretty big and he wanted to make sure it was right and it was done correctly. Um, and uh, and so, like again, now he, he's out, he comes out every weekend, just about.
4: So um, when is the film, do you anticipate it coming out? When are the peeps going to be able to take this in?
9: Uh, it's supposed to be released in the spring of 2020. Spring of 2020.
4: All right. One last question for you. We sat on a panel together. Be honest with me.
9: How was my singing? It was I couldn't think of a better way of ending that panel. <laughs> it had to end after after <laughs> I sung. We had but, no place to go but down. <laughs> it peaked.
4: It peaked. And that was it. Um, maybe I'll sing it for you later sometime, uh, uh, Ryan. Anyway, uh, James, thank you so much. Um, everyone's rooting for this film. Very excited about it. And uh, just from what I've seen, I can tell you, uh, it will deliver, folks. All right. So this is the last day of what has been, a, uh, in my opinion, a very fun, crazy, um, inspirational convention um, that is the International UFO Congress. I happen to be here with a guy who basically says that he co-runs it with his girlfriend Karen. I don't know if you've heard of this guy before. His name is Alejandro Rojas. <laughs> so, Alejandro, is this true? And and since it's the last day, what is your summary of this uh, conference, uh, the 2019 conference?
11: Yeah, you know what? That's an interesting question um, because you know it, there's so much going on. There's so much hustle and bustle. Um, it you know, you don't have a whole lot of time to be reflective, but I have, especially the last couple of days. And uh, you know, people posted some pictures of you with George Knapp and uh, and James Fox and Jeremy Corbell, and uh, I think that kind of summarizes it in a way. I, it made me think about how all of us who, especially, are on this doing the speaking and everything, um, and then you with the filmmaker buddies. We're all like so much like a family. We've all been through so much, you know. When I think of someone like Richard Dolan and over the years, how I've changed. I was in my 20s when I started. I was 70 pounds heavier. Um, But all of the trials and tribulations we go through, sometimes we even get frustrated with each other like siblings. Um, But, you know, we all have really great respect for one another. And it's really fun to hook each other up with, you know, other colleagues. And uh, that is one big aspect. But the other aspect is just uh, the nature of the speakers. I think that uh, when people are genuinely into the information rather than arguing or being upset at others, I think when people are respectful of others' various opinions – and ideas, it's more conducive to sharing information. So the audience is able to kind of digest information better have a more pleasant experience digesting that information uh with a lack of negativity and uh it's more productive and educational and we had so many people saying i learned so much i learned at this conference more than i usually learn and i think it is because of the way i have a training background it's the way they learn it the mindset is you have to have an open mind but you have to have a mind that you know that isn't uh preoccupied with the other things especially emotional negative things um and so it was a it was a wonderful atmosphere um i think you know we've gotten a lot of feedback like you said you kind of felt that and uh, i guess that would be my takeaway although you know we missed one guy we had this guy who used to help us out he was awesome he would help us out with our uh, movies uh, he would just work all day long His name's Ryan Sprague, and uh, I wish we could have him back.
4: Really? Do you seriously? I mean, in in hindsight, because I know right now we're looking back at compared to how Mm -hmm. Congress was beforehand, Mm -hmm. and now, and it seems to be like it's so jamming right now. And maybe back, maybe
11: back then it wasn't so. I'm not saying it's all Ryan's fault. Yeah. But uh, do you think if we brought Ryan back, it would just everything would come? Crashing down. It, it it could. No, I think
4: uh, I think Brian was sorely missed here, uh, and I'm glad that um, I can, uh, uh, as a fellow um, UFO uh, uh, researcher and and armchair expert, um, I'm glad that I can be representing for him. Um,
11: his presence here is sorely missed. But um, a lot of business happens too. Yeah. Like you got so much done, and people got to hook up, you know, uh, and get to know each other and start to work on projects. I mean, you're inspired, for to do new projects typically. At well, East yeah, East. So Keith Arum and I have a, a, a pilot sizzle reel that we're
4: doing for a, a half-hour series that we're doing called Tinfoil Diaries. This is breaking news, by the way. And so hopefully it'll get sold. But the basic concept is to take something that has been kind of caricatured as you know tinfoil hat-wearing um, abductees and show no. Here's the face of abductees, or experiencers, or contactees, as they go by. And here are the subtleties with that, and it lends credibility to it. So so we're doing that show, and then I'm doing a separate documentary, um, which I can't get into too much about, but it's a whole new perspective that, that I haven't seen on this and uh, on the phenomenon. And what's interesting is this festival and the people that I've been interviewing, the experts, because you pull together the best of the best. I'm poaching. I feel really <laughs> bad about that. But um, they're all great, and they're informing it, and they're changing the shape of it into a much higher level mm-hmm. production and i think much more interesting things to you alejandro
11: and Karen. well i love the poaching because that's something that you know it's an opportunity because i get it you know i uh, when i have time or i do this at other conferences too because you have those people in one location so it's a chance to interview or talk with a lot of people so i get it but that's what's good what we always love with the conference it's one of the reasons we love to bring speakers who we know have done something great but might not be well known Um, And then also to have people like you coming out and doing these interviews because it sets the tone and the pace for this whole field going forward. I think it reinvigorates. It keeps things moving. It keeps us all learning. It keeps new information coming. And that's something that we can't be afraid of. A lot of people are afraid of, oh, you know, I think they get the turf war type of thing. And uh, we got to, I think, uh, be more of the attitude of more is better, Um, especially in this day and age. Yeah, well, what was interesting is last night, uh, after the, uh, the awesome banquet, always
4: great food. I don't know where I go on Yelp to give you the five stars, let me know, okay. but I'll do that. Um, I got to hang out with, uh, uh, yeah, with Jeremy uh, Corbell and James Fox and George Knapp. So these are, you know, all of the idols, people that I've, you know, kind of, that are my peers, and George is on a whole other level. He's the yeah. Marlon Brando in this, you yeah. know. And um, we all got together and we kind of collectively said, you know, we kind of uh, reaffirmed that, that we can do much more damage, if you will, um, creative uh, uh, work if we're all helping each other yeah. and informing each other's work. And like James showed us a little bit of uh, the footage that he had yeah. that I had seen before um, and showed it and we all got a chance to, to look at it and kind of help him. Uh, you know, give them feedback, and yeah. hopefully, you know, it's, it's already there. I mean, it's so amazing there wasn't much to, to add, but um, ways in which we can kind of uh, help give them feedback, and that in return will, I'm hoping, will happen with mine and, and with Jeremy's and stuff, so it's kind of a collective, and it's not just in this inclusive thing with them. It's other people that are at the festival, you know. we. It's this process. We're all figuring this out. Yeah. I mean, it's a journey that, that has no end in sight, which yeah. is part of the fun.
11: Yeah, it reminds me of Chase Kletzky's talk, which was the, the change makers. And uh, that's what it is. It's getting the change makers together, getting the collaboration happening. And what spawns from that is, uh, you know, what the films and the things we're all going to be excited about in the coming months and years.
4: Yeah, and uh, lastly, um, again, I, every time I go to one of these scenes, and I've only been to two of them, I'm always interested who you're going to pull out. And there's always surprises and stuff, and this year was no different. Uh, all in all, yep, I'm giving this, I'm giving this freaking six stars. Yeah. Um, this was awesome. Next year is going to be even bigger. Alejandro, he's just promised me that. He doesn't know that he's promised me that, but he'll deliver. He always does. Anyway, um, thank
11: you for your time, Alejandro. Yeah, the vacuum cleaner's coming, and I got to go put on a t-shirt and uh, some shorts and start pulling everything down and then packing, and so we can get out of here.
4: All right. I have no idea who that guy was that we just talked to, but uh, (laughs) he seems to be important. Uh, Ryan, this is Dean Aliotto signing off. Talk soon, buddy.
0: is produced by Third Kind Productions
8: in association with the Entertainment One Podcast Network. To learn more, visit entertainmentonepodcast.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig.